Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm Tia. And this is the Journey to Transformation. Welcome. Welcome back. The sound you're hearing is us in the IKEA parking lot on Black Friday plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, but I thought it was Saturday. <laughs> that's why IKEA car park is so full. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's the sound you're hearing. Apologies. Also, IKEA doesn't do Black Friday, so people are just here shopping anyway, right? It's because they've got them low, low prices. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, you could just have it. A little bit have it or like you know some of the more expensive things like they get down a little bit on that friday we've over the course of this podcast had a lot of feedback for ikea that's true okay ikea would just be such a good sponsor for this podcast yeah you just uh, snarfed down a bunch of meatballs yeah <laughs> um okay um i just would like to say something to you okay well on the pod Oh my god, I feel nervous, listeners. I just <laughs> wanted to tell you that I appreciate you. Oh wow, okay. Alright, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> well, because I know I've been really cranky and we've been mm. getting some concerned people mm. just inquiring about my crank. Yeah. And I actually think I know what it is. Okay, share. I think I have a disorder. Okay seasonal effectiveness disorder okay wow this winter's just got me down oh my gosh this is like the warmest winter on record <laughs> don't minimize my disorder so many people have that because it's I dark think, yeah i i it's damp I'm i've sorry. had to buy a heated blanket for the van and i bought you a snuggie you did buy me a snuggie thank you so i yeah i understand and it's like that kind of not having as much sunshine in your life yeah, know. I think it's just making me notice my persistent experiences of racism and misogyny so much more because mm. it's damp outside. Yeah, it's really exasperating the whole thing. Yeah. Gosh. But I just wanted to say that I appreciate you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For sticking by me. Getting mega snuggy <laughs> through through it all. Of course, that's what I'm here for. Is it? Well, I need you to be, you know, upbeat when we talk on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was thinking is, um, you should maybe get one of those, you know, those light alarms where it helps you wake up as if it's natural day. Sad light. A sad light. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have one, and I did find it really, really helpful. Okay. Cool. Especially because I get up really early to go to the gym. Well, so mm. you know it's mm-hmm. really dark when I go and exercise mm-hmm. but the problem with the van is that it can't cope with all the things because that needs a plug oh. and then the electric blanket needs a plug it's like everybody needs a place to be it's like you I just need... don't have enough power mm. for these plugged in devices maybe you need to speak to someone at Camp Quirky about how they can create a sad light that's for the van yeah van do you know what you could do you could come over just before I'm about to get up to go to the gym <laughs> and just get a really nice flashlight and just like flash it through the oh ceiling. <laughs> okay, A, that would shock anybody awake, <laughs> which I don't think would be good for the rest of your day. And B, I am not a morning person. <laughs> okay, well, I take back all my appreciation then. <laughs> but we- anyway, huh? What? You can also get like um, pills and stuff as well to make you feel more like... Cocaine. 
Well, that's not a pill. I, I wasn't really. Yeah, I was thinking more amphetamines. Like, no, oh. <laughs> I was thinking more about something from the pharmacy that anyone could pick up. Oh, what's it called? John something like a Saint John's Wort. Yeah, stuff to like kind of give you a bit more of a boost in the winter. Yeah, but those things I need to have been taking them mm. in the summer for them to really be. I know, but there's no better time to start than now. Okay, so next winter I'm going to be <laughs> full of joy. Yeah. <laughs> it might even like lead your summer to be extra joy. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, we'll be in darkness until March, so... Right. Except we don't live in Svalbard, so there are worse places in terms of being sad anyway. If I'm being honest, I feel more inclined towards the amphetamines. Okay, well... I'd be more productive. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't help you with that. Okay. Well, (laughs) again, I revoke my appreciation. (laughs) If you can track down a Snuggie... Surely. Surely, yeah. Surely. Maybe. Surely you can get me some diet pills from the early 90s. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Possibly they're, prob- they're in storage, probably. Yeah. And my parents. <laughs> Let's Hello, <see>. Burroughs clan. <laughs> Let's see what we can uncover. <laughs> we haven't recorded in a really long time. Yeah, ages. So much has happened in the world since then, which is why I think we should start with a conversation that's kind of worldly. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just point out, we do recognize the fact that this podcast has transitioned into something else of late, only because there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on. But I think the connectors, like if you're working in the nonprofit sector, humanitarian development, you are acutely aware of what's happening globally. Because at some point or another, what you do interacts with political decisions or in some cases, sport or climate conferences or, you know, yeah. usually not, not everyone's mandate, but at some point there's potentially going to be an intersection. Sure. But we're not talking about like clean thematic areas <laughs> and suggesting things to improve we're kind of just complaining and being ratty about what's yeah. happening. Well, I am. Well, we can keep today this conversation to maybe one theme. No, let's go with what you planned. <laughs> okay. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, I propose that we talk about FIFA and the Football World Cup. Okay. Can you tell me first what FIFA stands for? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we found... Oh, I should look this up, shouldn't I? Yeah. Um, Lazy piece of shit. Sh- International Federation of Association Football is what FIFA stands for. We're talking about the World Cup. And I do think the World Cup has connected a lot of what's happening in the nonprofit humanitarian sector and human rights, probably, more than anything. You think it's connected it? I think that it's drawn attention to it. And mm. therefore, you know, the likes of Amnesty International, like Human Rights Watch or other Integrity Watch organisations are more focused maybe on the World Cup than they may have been previously. Yeah, because they were doing Dick before. <laughs> I don't know that, but FIFA has been known to be very corrupt yes and the 2015 scandal that went down with lots of people being fired for corruption yes so you know it's under Sepp Sepp Latter former FIFA president the one who announced that it was going to Qatar the announcement coming shortly after a meeting with the French ambassador and the French president at the time oh wherein Qatar totally unrelated committed to buying a bunch of weapons okay I mean yikes just a coincidence though probably hugely Whew. Just a coincidence. Yikes. 
What was the first match we watched? England versus Iran. Iran. You had some conflicting feelings about watching that game, didn't you? I yeah. said we should absolutely boycott it, but because you're a white supremacist, you made me. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I had such like difficult feelings about that game. But the main reason I was conflicted is because, firstly, going to Qatar has you know been talked about as a corrupt thing. The LGBTQI armband that wasn't worn, one love. So there was all that build-up where captains of England... Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, I think Switzerland and Denmark had said they were going to wear the One Love armband uh, which signifies the support to LGBTQI plus people all around the world and as we all know Qatar has very strict laws against um, LGBTQI people and what like led up to that point was that they had been having ongoing conversations about wearing this armband and it had become quite a big thing in the press like people were reporting on it the conversations were ongoing there was a lot of discussion I think Amnesty put out a bit of a campaign about it as well and then apparently very shortly before their first matches or at least England's first game FIFA said that you know if they were going to wear it they'd be fined and there would be other punishment or other disciplinary action and so the Football Association in England decided that it was too risky for the players and that they um, should not wear it. Yeah, and but by risky, we're talking about like you don't get to kick a ball around with your foot maybe for a game or two. Yeah, exactly. Which is in no way, shape, or form even a patch on queer people, migrants. 100%. Like, and the conversation that you and I had at the time was about like allyship and like this is the face of white allies. Yeah. Not, I mean, not everybody is white, but majority yeah. white. This is the problem that I've got between like allies and what allies have come to mean is like we'll stand with you until there might be something that's somewhat uncomfortable yes. for me and that was just a prime example of that for me yeah 100% and that's such a good point and I just think it was it was that kind of you know one of them says okay no and then the others all kind of fall as well like I think England was maybe the first game and, and FIFA had said that and so they decided no and then all the others followed you know it's that kind of like but how powerful would it have been if so, all of them just said fine we're not going to play because you would collapse the World Cup entirely you couldn't do it. It would have no legitimacy. If how many, was it eight? How I many of them? it was like around eight, yeah. It's quite a few. Yeah. And like pretty big ones. Yeah. If they all said, okay, cool, we're not coming. Exactly. Bye. I just think it would have been insane. Like power and just the concept of knowing that you have that much power. Sure. You know, like th these are people, yeah, as you say, who are really great teams that people are behind. And FIFA is already known to be a corrupt organization and is a system that's kind of not changing. So it take, it's going to take a bit of disruption. Yeah. But then on the other side of that, what's the other side of their argument? You know, they've got bands who, at home who've traveled to Qatar. And I saw, like a couple of statements that was like we didn't want to disappoint our fans who have travelled all this way to see us and all our fans back home you know so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's the right response but like that was some of their justification for not doing it but disruption hurts it's uncomfortable mm -hmm. taking a principled stance it's not always going to feel good yeah right and, and that's the difference like the statement that that would have made to your lgbtq fans to your fans who have different backgrounds to the statement that that makes sure you've got a good amount of fans who have had the great fortune of being able to travel to qatar pay whatever you had to pay to get there pay hundreds into the thousands of pounds per night of accommodations of this like multi-week fiesta oh the, them oh you don't want to upset them 
sure. And if I was if I was going, maybe I'd be a bit disappointed. But I think when I got home after my, I mean, I wouldn't go. But <laughs> I think it's a really easy thing to say. Oh, we don't like. Oh, there's but the fans. Like we're doing it for the fans. You're doing it for some of your fans. You're not doing it for all of your fans. And at the end of the day, you're not taking a principled position if the first hurdle is you may get a and like what's the biggest consequence? You get like a little yellow card or something. Yeah, but oh, no. I think that was the. Thing. Thing, like you know I heard some people talking afterwards like football pundits and stuff saying you know they weren't going to do anything like would they have actually enacted something like you know you couldn't kind of calling bluff on bluff really and, yeah. and then you know they folded regardless so yeah. as far as I can tell the biggest penalty you can get in a match is a red card yeah and then right? you're not in the next game oh no yeah <laughs> I don't get to kick a ball around with my foot in mm. this game mm. that's it this is just prime example of like white allyship to me yeah and total I, bullshit I, I think like the the other thing as well is these um captains may have been disciplined or the teams as a whole may have been disciplined and something may have happened and they may not have played and so maybe then the english fans would have been upset good like then maybe the english fans would have i don't know rioted or done something a bit crazy we don't support rioting <laughs> no but like english fans are can be like rowdy. yeah yeah you're fucking rowdy when you watch so, the football so maybe they would have protested against FIFA yeah. for that decision like yeah. th- there was like there was a real kind of thread of power that would have gone through to civilian unrest potentially yeah um, or pushing the football association yeah, the FA yeah, yeah. to do something like there was a real opportunity for a groundswell of energy around 100%. something that people said was important to them but yes. at the moment it's just like tokenistic wordsmithing I don't really care yes. it feels like marketing and rainbow washing so I took a picture of FIFA's statement on the whole thing and it said FIFA says it is an inclusive organisation that wants to put football to the benefit of society by supporting good and legitimate causes but it has to be done within the framework of the competition regulations which are known to everyone. Um, (laughs) But how can FIFA say it's an inclusive organisation? Like, come the fuck on. It's not. It's bullshit. Um, Within the framework of the competition regulations. What does that even mean? The president of FIFA, Mm. he said some crazy stuff that I half agree with, half don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Also, you need to do two-factor authentication on your phone. Okay. Just because apparently Qatar is like listening. going after people. Yeah. Ooh. They're listening to people who are making like negative comments or they're like Yikes. doing all kinds of wild well, stuff. Yeah. We just had to find our podcast and, you know. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that we're big in Qatar. <laughs> um, yeah. So Infantino, who is the president of FIFA, mm. he went and did this speech where he was like, I feel gay and I feel like a migrant and I feel disabled. And he just like went on this whole thing because he felt like he was being persecuted. Go but ahead. then he was basically saying like, I know what it feels like to be discriminated against because when I was young, I had red hair and freckles and like all this stuff. And I was mm. like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So he was basically just talking about like, you know, how shitty he was feeling because everybody was pissed off at him and like all the decisions that were being made were terrible whatever yeah but then he said something that i actually agree with he was effectively saying like we as europeans are like creating this moral high ground and like using that and applying that in our views and opinions of what's happening in qatar but not looking at ourselves Mm. which is really i don't know how to square that because like in and amongst this like 45 minute or hour long monologue he said a lot of fucking stupid 
good stuff, but that I agree with. Yeah, yeah. Is that they're really separate. There's no conversation about how LGBTQ people are being treated in America, for example. Mm -hmm. But it's easy for everyone else to be like, oh, the Qataris, oh, their culture and this and this. And they're so repressive and all this stuff. As if we haven't been building empires off the backs of slavery off the backs of migrant workers for a long time like have those conversations together that's my problem is like yes you can be like hey qatar you guys are a bunch of dicks cut it out Mm. we are also dicks and we're trying to be better here's how we're trying to address our dickishness maybe we can address the collective dickishness together as like an international community yeah i know i think it's a really good point it's almost like yeah i mean it goes back to the kind of ignorance of history right or you just want to like ignore it and be like they're the ones doing things wrong not us if the world cup hadn't been there like would we even be talking about human rights in qatar you know i just don't think we would be no it doesn't come top of mind (laughs) right like i you know it's only that it got fifa and the football world cup is there that suddenly we you know are are looking at it in in a deeper way i feel i mean there's something to that right like it's the idea that sport as a diplomatic activity part of diplomacy can also be like socialization Mm -hmm. right so you want to have diplomatic relations because you can influence each other and if you're a progressive society and you want somebody else to be progressive you bring them in and you basically like low-key indoctrinate them through your music your movies your whatever Mm -hmm. like there's all these different ways that you can kind of bring them in and sport is one of those ways to do that i don't know i feel really conflicted about this because I do feel that having the World Cup in Qatar, as you say, drew a lot of attention to the rampant human rights violations that happened there. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. It's good that we're like looking at it and we're talking about it. It's unfortunate that we had to have like a bunch of dudes running around kicking balls with their feet for us to like pay attention to that. But that's a good thing and potentially could be a stepping stone in like the evolution of human rights in Qatar. This is like a 50 year experiment. But yeah, like... But the first part of that socialization is Mm. seeing and observing and commenting and pressure and strain and thinking. And so it's hard for me because I'm like, exactly to your point, if it hadn't been there, Mm. human rights violations would just keep going on and on and on and on and on, right? Yeah, well, I imagine so. But now they've got, what is it, um, International Labour Organization or something? Yeah, I think it is it, it's either IDLO, I think it's IDLO or ILO. One of them's law, one mm. of them's... Um, labour. Labour, I can't remember which. I mean, they probably need one of each to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, FIFA, But they now have an office there, right? Right, FIFA um, managed to, I guess, doing whatever they do, get them an office there. There's no people in it, but there's an office. Yeah. Cool. Yay. Um, no, I don't know if there's no people there. I'm just... But yeah, I mean, whether it would have been there if, if the football hadn't been, I think, is a, yeah. almost a no-brainer, really. But it's a complicated one. I had a point to thing. I just can't remember. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to talk about Iran. Really here for that team right now. Yeah. I'm really here for that team. The first game they played with England, they did not sing their national anthem, which drew a lot of attention. A lot of attention. I think it's interesting that, one... The second game that Iran played, then they were sort of like reluctantly mouthing. But that was after one of their players was arrested in Iran. Yeah, that's scary. 
It was yeah. really scary. And I think for me, it kind of, you know, fueled the awkwardness of watching that first game with England because it's like so much is on the line for these players in Iran. And they're here and they're here to play. And their fans are happy, are crying. There's just so much in the faces of their fans when it comes to emotions. Mm. So many kind of wider questions about the team's role in all of that, really. I think that the team is going home heroes regardless of what happens mm-hmm. at this stage the m- as long as they don't speak against the regime i don't actually think that's necessarily true okay they've already made a statement they're already supporting the protests yeah, right yeah that first action that was taken is done the protests are raging i think it would be a very very explosive action to take against the team that on the world stage is like they're going home heroes yeah. and to then retaliate against is that how many are on? I think it's 26. Okay. So you've got 26, 25, 26, because one's in jail. Free them. And one's Nash, in hospital. The guy with the, who <laughs> smashed into the thing. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he is. But <laughs> Two dozen national heroes mm. who are going to come back to retaliate against them. I'm having this conversation right now around like club over country. Yeah. Like to take down a football team, you'd be inflaming sentiment. I just don't, I don't think, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about the Iranian regime, but you're not making any kind of smart moves by retaliating against a whole football team. Look what happened with a young woman. Yeah. Non-famous woman. Very famous now. The Human Rights Council has decided to do an investigation, which we've talked about on this podcast before about the level of or lack of accountability at state level and how complicated and difficult it is to find evidence to support injustices at that level. The Iranian state has a human rights um, ministry or something, or there's a human rights, um, I don't know, group. Um, and their job is to counter... Their mission is to violate as many human rights as possible. <laughs> to counter um, like external hate or media hate about their human rights record. And they came back with... I can't remember what their statement was, but they said something like, we can't believe that you know international people are trying to look into our business or we've got a human rights council. Or like they, they had a way of countering it. I can't remember right now what it was, but I'll look it up. I would be interested to know how dissimilar that was when like people were trying to look into to uh, mass incarceration in America. I'm kind of curious though about like the UN's decision to do this in Iran and not previously. Like there is no mechanism for looking into human rights violations at a state level and this is the first time they've decided to like create something or do something that also materialises a mechanism or to do so. Human rights violations in Syria, in Iraq, uh, you know, wherever else. Like I don't, in Myanmar, like in Myanmar there is a, um, there was an investigation but I don't know like. I think probably the big difference is that Iran is actively supplying weapons to Russia so I think there's a political game well yeah I mean I would start looking into them and digging around in their shit and distracting them so because now you have more pressure right like you have more pressure to put on them to get them to stop helping Russia yeah I guess that's how I would interpret that now they're actively supplying weapons to Russia I mean I think it's a good opportunity to find other avenues to put pressure on them yeah to highlight the shit that they're already doing also Iran is like fully melting down like people are not having it anymore it's crazy it is crazy powerful and I sincerely hope that Iran goes through the group phase I really really do because that would just be like 
just like I said before, I can't stop thinking about the the Iranian fans, like the women and the men just crying, and like that Iran won. They just you could feel their like emotions just everywhere. I mean, so I felt really cool. emotional watching yeah. that game. It was great. It was a great match. And uh, so you're talking about the Wales Iran match, yes. Right? The one where they faced England was not great. Yeah, no, <laughs> but they won two 0 in the Welsh game. Yeah, which was great. Really, really good match. Don't call it the Welsh game. It's the Iranian <laughs> game. Yeah, they won. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, we've made two very powerful enemies, I suspect, in this episode. Yeah. Oh Qatar gosh. and Iran. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Nope. Okay, so what's, what's the big takeaway? Sorry. Again, I do feel like we're just doing like a really poorly researched version of Pod Save the World. <laughs> and they also have this um, they also have like a little mini series that they're doing with another podcast called World Corrupt and it's like a multi-part series about I the World Cup cool. yeah um, I wanted to just say like the one thing that I do find really interesting is when the UN Council's Human Rights Council votes who does for and against and who abstains like mm. I think that's just the most telling yeah you know of where a country sits on its political spectrum 15 countries abstained I think 20 26 voted altogether. Uh, t- 26 voted and 15 abstained. And I just, re- I can't, I don't know the countries, but I'm, I will look it up because mm. I just want to know who of those 15. Who are you? <laughs> Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you're looking for accountability, the UN Human Rights Council is not designed for that. Yeah. I heard that straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's when I went to that event where he was speaking. <laughs> okay. Do you remember? Yeah, thank you. And people were like, oh, yeah. hold the states accountable. President? Excellency? I don't know. Whatever. The head of the UN Human Rights Council. And he said, full on to a room full of people that that body is not for holding people accountable mm. <laughs> there we go then heard it from the horse's mouth exactly my sister will ask me yeah what's the point of the UN <laughs> good question what did you yeah, say I was like yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah. she was like but you know if, if it's hard for states to get involved in what Iran's doing then why can't the UN <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> so because they're also made up of member states yeah I was like I've got a podcast for you <laughs> yeah not yeah. that we have supplied the answer but <laughs> no I don't have the answer. Well, I don't think we can have the answer because we talk so much shit about the UN. Yeah, yeah, such indeed. What does it do? Rapes, assaults, Mm. covers things up, pretends to do things, throws fairly decent parties, can get you good booze in dry countries. That's it. That's all. Maybe just briefly bringing this back to like non-profit stuff. Okay, good luck. I have seen a couple of organizations on LinkedIn or on social media like putting out campaigns or stuff in relation to the World Cup. So Amnesty is one of them, obviously. Mm. But another organization put out one about um, gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. And yesterday was the International Day for Elimination of Violence Against Women, um, which is also a a UN Awareness Day, if you like. Mm. And they put out a post that was a picture of a house and the England world uh, flag. I saw that. Yeah. And it said he's he could, coming yeah, home. Yeah. Just to kind of bring awareness to the fact that sometimes it's not the cause, football is not the cause of gender-based violence, but it can incite it. If, for example, mm. like last night, England played a terrible game, you know, there can be a heightened feelings within people. This is um, the fanaticism of football that really terrifies me. Do you know that with football fanatics because that is what fan is short for a fanatic 
Well, that's just so weird to hear. What does fanatic actually mean? Somebody who loves it so much that their shit is just illogical now. Like is that really what it means? I can give you the actual definition, but fan is short for fanatic. Fanatic, a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal, especially for an extreme religious or political cause. Wow. Um, a person who has very extreme beliefs that may lead them to behave in unreasonable or violent ways. Gosh. Yes. That's why I like to describe myself as a spectator or an enjoyer of sport. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm not a fan of anything, but it's interesting. So with people who have like been incarcerated because they're sport-related fanaticism and they're usually football or soccer fans, mm. sorry, you don't see it as much in other sports. So you see occasional outbursts around certain mm. particularly violent sports like hockey. Oh, yeah. I love hockey. I've seen many, many hockey games. They use countering violent extremism tactics on football fans. Wow. Okay, gosh. Because it's crazy. Mm, I mean, the, the thing you just said there, the kind of single-mindedness of like mm. that you're so blinkered and like that's everything. Mm. And that one win, loss or draw, whatever can stimulate you to act in a certain way yeah. it's crazy well in the states actually now that i mention it in the states when there's like really big baseball games for example people mm. will just like overturn cars and like go crazy in the streets right. and like be wild yeah but it's usually when they win though wow when people just act crazy yeah i don't know i just can't imagine enjoying sport that much and i play a lot of sports i play a lot of baseball a lot of softball volleyball I play a lot of sports yeah very athletic <laughs> And I just can't imagine getting that excited over a game yeah, that yeah. also children play. It just feels really, it feels really wild to me. I mean, I think you've kind of got me thinking about some some conversations we've been having around the word fan or like people who enjoy football, but who are also like pro-human rights and how an individual like that is complicated when it comes to how you stereotype people and um, your expectations of fans being fanatic and, and whatever, you know, and having the single-mindedness versus myself, who I don't think I'm that fanatic about football. I can turn it on and off. <laughs> I don't think I ever get single-minded, although I do get into games, you know, can very much enjoy it, despite the fact that there's a huge political things, there's huge human rights and issues going on and I have chosen not to boycott the games I've chosen to watch it and I think kind of going back to the start of this podcast that that's the crux of my uncomfortability was like uncomfortability discomfort no. was <laughs> never <laughs> you know was I haven't chosen to boycott it therefore does that mean I'm saying this is okay you're a white ally <laughs> no sorry but, <laughs> but my point is like I think by watching it I've also been able to talk about it understand have good conversations about it right. and I think that's also of benefit I want to understand something yeah. because I want to kind of see how this goes enjoy that Iran is in this game yes see what that means for their fans I don't know there's something else in that you know and then do a podcast about it to draw attention to the fact that like there's complexity in, in all of this and a nuance and it goes back to some things we've often talked about where you know lefty liberals if you like or progressive often shoot themselves in the foot because it's like nobody else we won't work with or talk to or listen to anybody else mm. when actually a lot of us are not just one way inclined we kind of have niches of what we believe in or what we take or what we do and how we act what an interesting way 
to make the case for your continued enjoyment of football. <laughs> It's very interesting <laughs> roundabout way of getting there. Well, I said that if we were going to watch it, we should watch it in a way that we no one was benefiting financially from our viewership. So yeah. like watching it over somebody's shoulder while they were watching or something. <laughs> <laughs> watching it through okay. the window of a a pub or something yeah. so that okay. but bringing our own drinks. Yeah, okay. BYO, watch it through a window. Yeah, (laughs) so that people weren't profiting off of our patronage, Mm. which I do think we still should do. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. What a roundabout episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that, like, conclusively, there's just so much to reflect on the Football World Cup, like, more than I ever thought that I could reflect on it. Mm. You know, and that's the thing about growing up, I guess, in my household and with my dad and stuff, there was always football on TV. So Mm. it almost was indoctrinated part of my life. Like, even if I never... That's how fanaticism works. (laughs) 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 But, like, you know, even if I'm not the one playing it and I'm not even watching it, it's on TV and there's always, like space for it and people are watching it did you ever play football no well what are you taking away from this episode in terms of a journey to transformation for who who's journey? yeah well there we go (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you can have a conversation about sport on an international level without having a conversation about politics Mm. and international diplomacy and what it all looks like in one big mess of a thing because you've got you know you've got the british foreign secretary telling the qatar the government of qatar to like not be dicks to lgbt fans finally thanks but then you've got fans who are getting their like rainbow t-shirts and rainbow hats confiscated by security like and they kept changing their minds about that it was really up and down yeah it's just really fucking two-faced like don't say to me that fifa is inclusive and not put pressure on the qataris to make the space inclusive don't then say as the qatari representatives that yes like you know the stadiums are inclusive and this is an inclusive environment when actually what you're doing is like squashing any kind of Oh, did, did you see the thing where they had, um, maybe it was an Argentinian? An Argentinian news crew, they were interviewing a fan in a wheelchair and the security came over and like was demanding to see the the papers and all this stuff. And then what? they forced the film crew, the film crew were forced out of the area and then had to like finish their reporting from inside their car. And they're all like pissed off and they're like, this is Qatar. This is how they act, like all this stuff. Jesus. Crazy. That's very scary. It's really scary. These things come out. It looks dodgy, but it's just how dodgy it looks looks for people right because you know if you're at all interested in saving face it's who's the the biggest influence on that yeah so like the qataris probably don't give two shits about foreign media and how they feel they'll just keep saying the same old narrative over and over again it what matters is their primary constituents and their you know Mm. the line that they've maintained internally which is whatever i think my takeaway is like you can't separate these things. It's not just when people are like, you know, separate politics from sports. You can't. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we've... Can I finish? Yeah, sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're so rude. You're always talking over me. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> shut up. Do you want to talk about it? So I think um, because interestingly, this conversation has like covered a lot of ground, but we've also mentioned nonprofits, the United Nations, lots of different states, like so many different actors in a space where, as you say, like the sports World Cup holds political, diplomatic yeah. um, influence. Yeah. Like I'm really looking. There's the World Cup every four years. 
I think it's every four, yeah. Okay. So the next one's in the USA, actually. Tears and always says it all. <laughs> Whatever. Let's draw attention to human rights violations in the US, especially if in four years it's fucking Donald Trump or Kanye West for president. Ye. Fuck off. AKA Yee. Yee. <laughs> Yee 24. Oh my Gross. god, is he, is he running? Yeah, he said, and apparently he asked Donald Trump <laughs> to be his running mate. To you be are vice- joking. <laughs> no. Oh my god, I'm dead. I wish this I was. is a whole other episode. So he apparently went to Mar-a-Lago with um, whatever that stupid white supremacist fucking asshole is. I'm not even going to say his name because one, I can't remember because he's too insignificant of a little incel. Oh, um, but he went to Mar-a-Lago and like asked Donald Trump to be his running mate, so vice president. And what did Donald Trump say? Is apparently he yelled. Yeah, apparently he yelled at him and was like screaming at him. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is crazy. Imagine if he was president. I would honestly burn my passport. <laughs> Not that it would matter to anyone in America, but I would burn my fucking passport. <laughs> and I would just be like one of those non-state. I would just be a non-state person. I'd go and live in the Charles de Gaulle airport. You could live in Svalbard. You don't need a visa for Svalbard. Where is that? It's You've said that twice now. Yeah, it's um that place I told you about. Okay. It's like where it's dark for three or four months of the year. That's why I mentioned it, because actually it is dark for three or four months of the year. Okay. So, like, they actually have to have checks, like, before and after to check their, like, levels of vitamin D. To check D. everyone's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they have to, like, get as much sunshine as they can to top it up for those months. Okay, I'm going to move there, and then I'm going to open up a tanning bed. <laughs> Okay. Why are you laughing? I'm not really sure how that works. I'm entrepreneurial. Well, the only thing is you just have to abide by the rules there. And rules you, of what? It's well bad. <laughs> what are the rules? Uh, you have to carry a gun because cool. of the polar bears. Okay. You're not allowed to have cats because okay. the polar bears eat cats. Okay. And you have to leave the guns outside of shops. That's fine. There's... I am trained in tactical firearms. Yeah, I'm just telling you. Just so you know. Um, cool. Um... Just so you know. Oh, whoa. I hate it right now. A couple of other things, but I'll look up the rest of the rules for you to see if you are, you comply. Okay. Yeah. There's a nice restaurant there. Okay. What does it serve? Polar bears? Cats? uh, No. It serves cats. It's like a 10 course tasting menu. It looks really nice. Okay. Yeah. I can see the Northern Lights. Yes. Okay. That yeah. seems cool. And they have like food festivals and you, know, you can walk around. But also with climate change, there's probably less polar bears. Sorry, polar bears. Actually, I think the opposite is happening where polar bears are coming more into the town because there's less to eat. But fewer. I don't know. They're probably eating other things. Are they like raccoons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a polar bear in my bin. <laughs> it's a bin dog. <laughs> a big, scary one. Um, okay. So, yeah. It's weird they eat cats because... No, they don't eat cats. What are you talking about? Oh, the polar bears. I think they the people. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Some people eat cats. Yeah, all right. I mean, you all know, right. Don't be such a white supremacist. Yeah. It's weird they eat cats because... They used to primarily eat fish and cats eat fish. So they have the same food source or like cartoon mm. versions of them do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wild. You don't seem convinced by that argument. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm super yeah. down for it. I just need to get loads of... Uh, but is it going to be... Sad lamps. Sad lamps. <laughs> get loads. Is it going to be one of those things where like President Yi and then everybody goes there? Because we've said on this podcast, you know, the word spreads. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Okay. 
But um, I don't know. People might not be up for the three months or four months of darkness. Yeah, it's better than four years of fucking darkness and bleakness in America. Yeah. Okay. I mean, are we that stupid to elect Kanye West? I refuse to call him by his other name. Okay. Are we that dumb and stupid? Surely not. Surely not. (laughs) Hold my breath. I didn't think we were that dumb and stupid to elect Donald Trump. Though technically we did. Yeah. He lost a popular vote. Okay. Okay then. Cool. What a whirlwind through a number of topics. Yeah, well, that's 10 minutes. Really did go. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. We'll All keep right, it in. Cool. Won't keep it in. Yeah, we will. All okay. right. All right. Well, thanks for listening <laughs> to this wilderness, wild stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. And this has been The Journey to Transformation, the FIFA Kanye West edition. <laughs> <laughs> With some polar bears in the bin. With some polar bears in the bin. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal.